0: about the exile. He writes and he warns the king of Israel before the Babylonians burned the city. This is what he writes in Jeremiah 38, 17. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, who was the king of Israel of Judah at the time, he says, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, if you will surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon then your life shall be spared and this city shall not be burned with fire. You and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, which is the Babylonians, and they shall burn it with fire and you shall not escape from their hand. After years of rejection of God, following after other gods, God says to Zedekiah, just surrender and save the city. Guess what happens? Another act of disobedience, he tries to save himself. He tries to flee, he doesn't surrender to the king of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, burns the city to the ground. Jeremiah writes in chapter 39, verse 7, He put out the eyes of Zedekiah. That means He took out the eyes of the king and bound him in chains to take him to Babylon. The Chaldeans burned the king's house and the house of the people, broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Then the captain of the guard carried into exile into Babylon the rest of the people who were left in the city. The people who remained. The captain of guard left in the hand in the land of Judah some of the poor people who owned nothing and gave them vineyards and fields at the same time. The city burned. The king is taken. with His eyes gouged out. The people are taken to be captives, to be slaves, to Babylonians, and there's a couple people left over to be farmers. And it is in the midst of the rubble. In the midst of a burned and broken city that God brings His people hope. You see, God has a plan to restore the worship of God in His temple. And He pronounces that plan here in Ezra. Because the temple is coming back. Jeremiah writes again in Jeremiah 29. This is a famous passage. You guys know Jeremiah 29, 11. But Jeremiah writes this in the midst of the exile. He says, For thus says the Lord, When the 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. into exile. That's the promise of God through His prophet Jeremiah. And the fulfillment is here in Ezra as God begins to bring the broken nation of Israel back together for one purpose. And that purpose is to send the Messiah, the coming King. God brings
1: hope to the hopeless. He says, I will act. That is what He does. This is the stirring
0: So please turn with me to Ezra chapter 1 where we pick up in Ezra chapter 1. Ezra is a tough book to find. You may have never read it before. It's on page 389 in your Bible in front of you. It is after 2nd Chronicles.
1: Probably the quarter through the Old Testament. Ezra
0: chapter 1. Would you stand in honor of reading God's word as we read Ezra chapter 1 verse 1. Proclamation of Cyrus in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Silas, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you, of all his people, may his God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns, be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides free will offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem.
1: Then those then
0: rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone
1: whose spirit God had stirred up to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. The word of the Lord may be seated. Let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We thank
0: you that you stir the hearts of man. Father, for your glory, for your good purposes. Father, we thank you that you never forget us, no matter how far we've strayed from you, that you love us and that you offer grace to us. And that you restore what the locusts have eaten. Father, we ask that you would do that in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our homes, and in our church. Father, we ask this morning as we read from your scripture, that you would give us wisdom and insight into who you are and what you are doing around the world.
1: That we be a people that see where you're at work.
0: I read these passages
1: scripture and
0: I'm amazed at the greatness of God. But but have you ever asked yourself this question? Is it where is God? I mean, really, really, have you asked yourself the question where is God at work amongst this chaos? Where is He at work in my life amongst this suffering, this tragedy, this event? And and my mind goes to one place in Scripture, and it it constantly goes there. In, In one of the most horrific acts throughout history, God is Working. He is moving. He has not forgotten his people. It is on the cross. At the crucifixion of Christ, where we find life's answers. Why? I mean, you may look at this story of Ezra, this time period, and say, Why did the city of Jerusalem have to be destroyed? Why did God not want worship in His temple? Did He not want that? You may even look at your own life and go, well, well, what about my own life when I see the walls torn down in my home and my home is in flames? Maybe, Maybe you're standing amidst the rubble of a once beautiful place of worship. That's what they're going through.
1: What is God doing in all of this? And I think back to what the disciples were thinking.
0: As Jesus hangs on the cross. Isn't He supposed to usher in the kingdom of God? Peter, as they look at Peter, one of the leaders of the disciples, he's denying that he even knows Jesus. And Jesus is upon the cross, bloody and and beaten, and He says, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? And and right before He dies, He cries out, It is finished. And Yet in the midst of all of that, in in the midst of all what seems as if it is chaos, God is doing something so great that we cannot even understand. The Son of God, Jesus Himself, is taking upon Himself the sins of humanity, the sins of the world, and on the cross, we see Jesus is working. God is working on our behalf. In the midst of a broken world, God is doing something that we
1: could never imagine. See, on the cross is where God set me free.
0: It was through the death of Christ that God did the unthinkable. Jesus in my place,
1: the perfect Lamb of God, sacrificing Himself for my sin that I could have life. God is doing something great so amidst the chaos upon the cross.
0: You see the proof of that three days later when He resurrects from the dead. So, amidst the rubble and the pain, amidst whatever you're walking through, God wants to show you He is working. He wants to show you His saving power, how He resurrects the people of God. From nothing, and he uses a pagan, foreign
1: Persian king to do it. The rebuilding of the temple, the place where God dwells. This is the
0: stirring of the Lord. Ezra is a unique book. The first six chapters covers 80 years, then Ezra comes. We'll deal with that as we move forward, but let's look at it together in verse 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, which we read Jeremiah, might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you, all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem,
1: which is in Judah,
0: and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. The point number one this morning is this. What do we need to understand? in scripture. You need to understand, number one, I heard somebody back here, God is in control, amen? Amen. You see, the sovereignty of God is all over the pages of these scriptures. God is pointing us that He is in control. And guess who else He's pointing us to? He's pointing us to Jesus. The One who will rescue mankind. Because all this is working to send the Messiah, the one who is to come to rescue us from sin and death. Guess what happens? 150 years before Cyrus, the king of Persia, a pagan king, issues this decree. 150 years before, Isaiah the prophet mentioned Cyrus by name. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28. I'm going to read it to you. Stay with me, but listen to it. 44, verse 28 says, Who says of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill all my purpose, saying of Jerusalem, She shall be built, and of the temple your foundation shall be laid. Listen what else he says. "Thus, Thus says the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus, Whose right hand I have grasped to subdue the nations before him, to loose the belt of kings, to open doors before him, that gates might not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob, which is another name for Israel, and for Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me. The people may know from the rising of the sun, from the setting of the west, there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well being and create calamity. I am the Lord. He does all these things. You think God is in control? 150 years before Cyrus makes the proclamation, God dictates him through the prophet Isaiah that his name will be Cyrus and that he will do what the Lord has commanded him to do. Rebuild Jerusalem. God makes well-being and He creates calamity.
1: He is in control
0: of what's going on. So 150 years before Cyrus decrees, Isaiah says that it will be Cyrus. We already read the prophecy of Jeremiah that it will be 70 years in which God's people will be in exile in Babylon. One problem is is that Cyrus is the king of Persia. Remember the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, is the one who have taken the city, who have burned the city. So how do you go from the Babylonians to the Persians? Well, you have to go to the book of Daniel for that. God is moving amidst the chaos. You have a young man named Daniel. You might have heard of him, Daniel, in the lion's den, right? He's in exile. He's living in Babylon. He loves the Lord. He's elevated in the king's house as an interpreter of dreams for uh, the king of Babylon. And the king of Babylon has this bizarre event in which a hand begins writing on the wall and some of the people are like, Go get Daniel. He can interpret dreams. Maybe he knows what's going on or what's written on the wall. Daniel interprets the dream or interprets what's written on the wall and says to Belshazzar, king of Babylon, God has numbered the days of your kingdom. He has brought it to an end. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So guess what? That very night, they They clothe Daniel with a a purple robe. He's elevated to the third ruler in the kingdom of Babylon. And guess what? The king of Babylon dies at the hand
1: of Persia and the Medes. Now, guess who's the ruler? The Medes and the Persians.
0: Guess what happens next? Daniel and the lion's den. You know the story? the king is tricked and, and these guys get jealous of Daniel and he begins praying and, and so the king makes a, an edict that they can't pray and, and, and the king is upset because he loves Daniel but he has to throw him in the lion's den because that's the law and so the king is, is saying Daniel may your God save you and Daniel's thrown into the lion's den and God shuts the mouth of the lions and guess what? The king goes to Daniel, and the king says, Did your God save you?
1: My God saved.
0: My God saves. Guess what? The king writes to all the peoples, all the nations and languages that dwell on the earth. This is what he writes Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all My royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For He is the living God enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and He rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion's den. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. There you go. Daniel reigned. Daniel prospered during the reign of Cyrus the Persian. God is at work. We don't even know. We don't even see. So why did Cyrus declare that he would build a house for God in Jerusalem when he's the ruler over the kingdoms of Persia? God had a man called Daniel who rose up and prayed and believed in the promises of God. God stirred up the heart of Cyrus through God's people being faithful to what they had called them to
1: do. Do you believe God wants to use your situation in Daniel's situation to draw people to
0: Himself? Do you believe that God will use you to stir the heart of man. Because it is the power of God. Do you believe that God has a hope and a future for you? Place your faith in God. He is pointing us to His sovereignty and amidst it all He is pointing us to His salvation which is through Christ. So let's look at verse 3 here after Cyrus has Declared that they are going to build this house. Whoever is among you, of all his people, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns, be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and beasts, besides freewill offerings for the house of God, that is in Jerusalem, then rose up the heads of the fathers, the houses of Judah and Benjamin, the priests and Levites, everyone whose spirit, God had stirred up to go to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in
1: Jerusalem. And all who were about them aided with them, with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, with
0: costly wares, besides all that was freely offered. So, not only are they set free to go and rebuild the house of Jerusalem, they're also set free to take what they need to build it. To take from their neighbors
1: as well as to give freely towards it. This is our second point. God moves the hearts of man. Not only does he move Cyrus' heart, but then he moves his people stirs their spirit up where they want to go to build a house of worship for the Lord. See, God stirs the hearts of man to accomplish his purposes.
0: God may be stirring your heart this morning, but let me tell you something. Stirring of the Lord is always If you read in Daniel chapter 9, it talks about Darius the Mede. Darius the Mede may be another name for Cyrus the Persian, because Cyrus is half Mede and half Persian. There was some historical um, archaeological thoughts of who is this Cyrus and how did Cyrus come about until they found the Cyrus Cylinder. Uh, not too long ago, actually, an archaeological dig which was dating back to this time in which Cyrus was the king of Persia and he declared um, to the people to go back to their homelands and rebuild their places of worship. For some time in the 1800s and early 1900s, people said Cyrus isn't a historical figure so you should not believe in the Bible. And then they found Cyrus's cylinder. Cyrus the Med could be, or Darius the Mede could be another name for Cyrus. But as soon as the Persians and the Medes take over, here's what happens in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel gets on his knees and he prays
1: for the Lord to rebuild the house, the temple. This is what his prayer is in the first year of his
0: reign, Daniel chapter 9. I, Daniel, perceived in the books the numbers of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleased for mercy with fasting and sackcloths. And ashes, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, and done wrong, and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers. To all the people of the land. And he ends in verse 17. I'm skipping forward for the sake of time. Now, therefore, O oh God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. For your own sake, O oh Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations, the city that is called by your name. But we do not present our Please before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. That's some prayer. May we pray that daily? God, act not because of us, but because of your name. May that be the prayer of our church. We don't want to make the name famous. We want to make God's name. We see nothing happening in Scripture outside of God's people being on their knees in prayer for God to move, God to restore, God to rebuild. you want your marriage to be restored? you want your life to look different? you feel as if you have messed up royally? Guess what? God is wanting you to go to your knees asking the God of the universe to intervene in the midst of your situation. And guess what? God intervenes in the midst of his situation right in the middle of his prayer. And guess what happens? He's speaking, he's praying, he's confessing sin and Daniel has a visitor, Gabriel. Guess what? Gabriel gives him a prophecy. I almost skipped over this, but I can't. The Prophecy is about 70 weeks. The prophecy is pointing to the Messiah, to Jesus. God's ultimate fulfillment of His promises is through Christ. His salvation that He freely gives by His grace. Here's an excerpt from Daniel 9, 24. Seventy-sevens have been decreed for your people, so you are to know and discern that from issuing a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah... The prince, there will be seventy seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be built again with plaza and moats, even in times of
1: distress.
0: Then after the sixty-two sevens, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people, the prince, who is to come, will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now what is the prophecy saying? The prophecy is saying that after a time, seven seven, sixty two sevens is a number of years. After a time, Jerusalem will be built again with plaza and the moat. Even in times of distress, it says that He will send the Messiah and the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing and then the city will be destroyed.
1: And the sanctuary, the temple of Jerusalem, has not been rebuilt. Ad 70, the city of Jerusalem is destroyed again doing the math with the
0: 360 day calendar placing places Jesus walking into Jerusalem around AD 30 the one riding on the colt of a donkey on palm sunday only to be cut off meaning crucified on the cross on good friday and even in the midst of all the chaos surrounding Jerusalem at this time. He's pointing them to the Messiah. He's pointing Daniel to the ultimate fulfillment of the rebuilding, the ultimate fulfillment of God's salvation, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You see, it is God who stirs the hearts of man to worship Him.
1: And Jesus is the one gives for us to be able to be the temple of the Holy Spirit God places the Holy Spirit in our lives. so that we can be people that worship God spirit. We are given a new heart, one that yearns and desires See, God is still stirring in the heart of he Cause us to repent and believe. We may be given life. We may be given Holy Spirit. Which Ezra is telling you, he He's pointing you to the love of God. Let's look in here, verse 6. Ate. And all who were about them, aided them with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, with costly
0: wares, besides all that was freely offered. Cyrus the king also brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed in the house of his gods. Cyrus, king of Persia, brought these out from the charge of the, the treasurer, who
1: counted them out to Shedzar, uh, the prince. So guess what? God not only calls Cyrus' name, he also stirs the hearts of God's people to join where God is to rebuild Jerusalem. And guess what? It's the most important part. All of chapter 2 as well. This is the third point God moves, His people respond to action. When God moves, His people
0: respond to action. This is the pattern we see in Scripture. Prayer, God moves, people respond. It is what we see in the the ministry of Jesus. Prayer, God moves, people respond. It is so important for us to understand.
1: When we see God move after praying that we respond to join him. Now, these people obviously Cyrus had to give up a ton of gold silver
0: these people had to give up free will offerings their response was not only monetary, their response was going back to Jerusalem after they had made a, a home for themselves in exile in Babylon, their families—they're uprooting their families and moving back to a place that is decimated with nothing.
1: God's calling us to respond.
0: For some of you, that may be responding to the gospel, which is the good news of salvation, putting your trust, your faith in. Christ and saying, I believe upon Jesus." Some of you may be trusting Christ in baptism. Saying, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me.
1: Others, God is responding to where God is moving in our church. Maybe some of you have grieved the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't see God moving in your heart, in your mind, in your family. You need to repent get on your knees as Daniel did. for we have rejected to accept turn and find healing in His name. Some of us just need to begin to pray that God would do a mighty work in Oklahoma City. God would do a mighty work in 23rd Street. That God would do a mighty work with our family,
0: within our home, within our small group, within our church. And he would begin
1: to move stir the hearts of man to rise up to be on the mission